Section 15 of A Book of Sibyls by Anne Thackeray Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Edgeworth, Part 8. Calais, after a rough passage. Brussels. Flat country, tiled houses, trees and ditches, the window shutters turned out to the street. Fishwives' legs, Dunkirk, and the people looking like wooden toys set in motion. Bruges and its mingled spires, shipping, and windmills these notes of travel read as if miss edgeworth had been writing down only yesterday a pleasant list of the things which are to be seen two hours off to-day no less plainly than a century ago she jots it all down from her corner in the post-chaise where she is propped up with a father brother stepmother and sister for travelling companions and a new book to beguile the way she is charmed with her new book it is the story of mademoiselle de clermont by madame de genny and only just out the edgeworths with many other english people rejoiced in the long-looked-for millennium which had been signed only the previous autumn and they now came abroad to bask in the sunshine of the continent which had been so long denied to our mist-bound islanders we hear of the enthusiastic and somewhat premature joy with which this peace was received by all ranks of people not only did the english rush over to france foreigners crossed to england and one of them an old friend of mr edgeworth's had already reached edgeworth town and inspired its enterprising master with a desire to see those places and things once more which he heard described mr edgeworth was anxious also to show his young wife the treasures in the louvre and to help her to develop her taste for art he had had many troubles of late lost friends and children by death and by marriage one could imagine that the change must have been welcome to them all besides maria and lovell his eldest son he took with him a lovely young daughter charlotte edgeworth the daughter of elizabeth sneed they travelled by belgium stopping on their way at bruges at ghent and visiting pictures and churches along the road as travellers still like to do mrs edgeworth was as we have said the artistic member of the party we do not know what modern rhapsodists would say to miss edgeworth's very subdued criticisms and descriptions of feeling on this occasion it is extremely agreeable to me she writes to see paintings with those who have excellent taste and no affectation and this remark might perhaps be thought even more to the point now than in the pre-aesthetic age in which it was innocently made the travellers are finally landed in paris in a magnificent hotel in a fine square formerly place louis XV, afterwards place de la revolution now place de la concorde and place de la concorde it remains wars and revolutions notwithstanding whether lighted by the flames of the desperate commune or by the peaceful sunsets which stream their evening glory across the blood-stained stones the edgeworths did not come as strangers to paris they brought letters and introductions with them and bygone associations and friendships which had only now to be resumed the well-known abbe morellet their old acquaintance answered for them says miss edgeworth and besides all this mr edgeworth's name was well known in scientific circles breguet montgolfier and others all made him welcome lord henry petty as maria's friend lord lansdowne was then called was in paris and rogers the poet and kosciuszko cured of his wounds 
for the first time they now made the acquaintance of monsieur dumont a lifelong friend and correspondent there were many others the desselaires of the french protestant faction madame suard to whom the romantic thomas day had paid court some thirty years before and madame campan and madame recamier and madame de remusat and madame de hodotot now seventy-two years of age but rousseau's julie still and camille jordan and the chevalier edelkrantz from the court of the king of sweden the names alone of the edgeworth's entertainers represent a delightful and interesting section of the history of the time one can imagine that besides all these pleasant and talkative persons the faubourg saint-germain itself threw open its great swinging doors to the relations of the abbe edgeworth who risked his life to stand by his master upon the scaffold and to speak those noble warm-hearted words the last that louis ever heard one can picture the family party as it must have appeared with its pleasant british looks the agreeable ruddy-faced father the gentle mrs edgeworth who is somewhere described by her stepdaughter as so orderly so clean so freshly dressed the child of fifteen only too beautiful and delicately lovely and last of all maria herself the nice little unassuming genie dean's looking body lord byron described small homely perhaps but with her gift of french of charming intercourse her fresh laurels of authorship for belinda was lately published her bright animation her cultivated mind and power of interesting all those in her company to say nothing of her own kindling interest in every one and every thing round about her her keen delights and vivid descriptions of all these new things faces voices ideas are all to be read in some long and most charming letters to ireland which also contain the account of a most eventful crisis which this paris journey brought about the letter is dated march eighteen o three and it concludes as follows here my dear aunt i was interrupted in a manner that will surprise you as much as it surprised me by the coming of monsieur edelkrantz a swedish gentleman whom we have mentioned to you of superior understanding and mild manners he came to offer me his hand and heart my heart you may suppose cannot return his attachment for i have seen but very little of him and have not had time to have formed any judgment except that i think nothing could tempt me to leave my own dear friends and my own country to live in sweden maria edgeworth was now about thirty years of age at a time of life when people are apt to realize perhaps almost more deeply than in early youth the influence of feeling its importance and strange power over events hitherto there are no records in her memoirs of any sentimental episodes but it does not follow that a young lady has not had her own phase of experience because she does not write it out at length to her various aunts and correspondents miss edgeworth was not a sentimental person she was warmly devoted to her own family and she seems to have had a strong idea of her own want of beauty perhaps her admiration for her lovely young sisters may have caused this feeling to be exaggerated by her but no romantic lovely heroine could have inspired a deeper or more touching admiration than this one which monsieur edelkrantz felt for his english friend 
the mild and superior swede seems to have been thoroughly in earnest so indeed was miss edgeworth but she was not carried away by the natural impulse of the moment she realized the many difficulties and dangers of the unknown she looked to the future she turned to her own home and with an affection all the more felt because of the trial to which it was now exposed the many lessons of self-control and self-restraint which she had learnt returned with instinctive force sometimes it happens that people miss what is perhaps the best for the sake of the next best and we see convenience an old habit and expediency and a hundred small and insignificant circumstances gathering like some avalanche to divide hearts that might give and receive very much from each but sentiment is not the only thing in life other duties ties and realities there are and it is difficult to judge for others in such matters sincerity of heart and truth to themselves are pretty sure in the end to lead people in the right direction for their own and for other people's happiness only in the experience of many women there is the danger that fixed ideas and other people's opinion and the force of custom may limit lives which might have been complete in greater things though perhaps less perfect in the lesser people in the abstract are sincere enough in wishing fullness of experience and of happiness to those dearest and nearest to them but we are only human beings and when the time comes and the horrible necessity for parting approaches our courage goes our hearts fail and we think we are preaching reason and good sense while it is only a most natural instinct which leads us to cling to that which we are used and to those we love mr edgeworth did not attempt to influence maria mrs edgeworth evidently had some misgivings and certainly much sympathy for the chevalier and for her friend and stepdaughter she says maria was mistaken as to her own feelings she refused m edelkrantz but she felt much more for him than esteem and admiration she was extremely in love with him mr edgeworth left her to decide for herself but she saw too plainly what it would be for us to lose her and what she would feel at parting with us she decided rightly for her own future happiness and for that of her family but she suffered much at the time and long afterwards while we were at paris i remember that in a shop where charlotte and i were making purchases maria sat apart absorbed in thought and so deep in reverie that when her father came in and stood opposite to her she did not see him till he spoke to her when she started and burst into tears i do not think she repented of her refusal or regretted her decision she was well aware that she could not have made m edelkrantz happy that she would not have suited his position at the court of stockholm and that her want of beauty might have diminished his attachment it was perhaps better she should think so for it calmed her mind but from what i saw of m edelkrantz i think he was a man capable of really valuing her i believe he was much attached to her and deeply mortified at her refusal he continued to reside in sweden after the abdication of his master and was always distinguished for his high character and great abilities he never married he was except for his very fine eyes remarkably plain so ends the romance of the romancer 
there are however many happinesses in life as there are many troubles mrs edgeworth tells us that after her stepdaughter's return to edgeworth town she occupied herself with various literary works correcting some of her former manuscripts for the press and writing madame de fleury emilie de collange and leonora but the high-flown and romantic style did suit her gift and she wrote best when her genuine interest in unaffected glances shone with bright understanding sympathy upon her immediate surroundings when we are told that leonora was written in the style the chevalier edelkrantz preferred and that the idea of what he would think of it was present to maria in every page we begin to realize that for us at all events it was a most fortunate thing that she decided as she did it would have been a loss indeed to the world if this kindling and delightful spirit of hers had been choked by the polite thorns fictions and platitudes of an artificial courtly life and by the well-ordered narrowness of a limited standard she never heard what the chevalier thought of the book she never knew that he ever read it even it is a satisfaction to hear that he married no one else and while she sat writing and not forgetting in the pleasant library at home one can imagine the romantic chevalier in his distant court faithful to the sudden and romantic devotion by which he is now remembered romantic and chivalrous friendship seems to belong to his country and to his countrymen End of section 15